Hello and welcome to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. I'm your host, Emma Gibbs-Ung. Each show I'll be using a combination of interviews with incredibly inspiring people from around the world who have achieved greatness, overcome adversity and never given up, as well as solo episodes from me sharing my own journey as a leading mindset trauma coach, helping to inspire, support and guide you to create a growth mindset so you can achieve success in all areas of your life. So are you ready to bring mindset to life and feel inspired? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. Today's show is about something that we can all relate to, the global pandemic. We've all felt the pressures over the last 18 months. No one could prepare us for what went on in the last year and a half with lockdown. Lives have changed forever and as we navigate our way back to some form of normality, we're all starting to see what the last 18 months have taught us. Today, I'm joined by Alison Nelson, who experienced firsthand the impact lockdown has had on everyone when her husband lost his job and they were left with just her small income. Faced with the prospect of no money coming in, Alison pushed through her doubts, turned fears into fuel, pressure into opportunity, and which allowed her to go on and build her side hustle into a six-figure business. She now helps other solopreneurs grow and scale their online business by sharing organic marketing strategies to turn a side hustle into a thriving business. Today, Alison is sharing with us how she managed to see beyond her fears and turn not just her life, but her family's life around. Welcome, Alison. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you, Emma. It's so nice to be here. You know, I think for me, this it's a real pleasure having you on the show. Obviously, I've spoken to you before mm-hmm. um, uh, today's session, and I know that everything that we're about to talk about is going to re- resonate with so many of us because there's no denying that the last 18 months have impacted us all on so many different levels. And we've um, faced challenges that we've never really prepared ourselves for because we never in a million years thought we'd be faced with a global pandemic. Um, And so I'm really, really keen just to hear sort of how you navigated your way from having a a small income to a thriving six figure business um, and also juggling the emotions that must have gone on with your husband losing his job. So I would love to start with you by sharing how life was leading up to the global pandemic and then how you navigated through those months that followed. Sure, yeah. Um, so first and foremost, I'm a mother. Um, I had a career in counseling education. I've sort of zigged and zagged. I think anybody who's an entrepreneur that's listening to this can relate to zigging and zagging <laughs> before I became a mother. Um, I was in marketing. I have a, pu- a public relations degree. It's really a journalism degree. So writing is um, a big deal for me. I always loved doing that. Uh, but I got a job in advertising. So I understood the corporate world, but I was burned out, went back to school to become a school counselor. But no one told me that when I graduated that there were really no school counseling jobs around here, you know, school counselors sort of die in their jobs. There aren't as many school counselors as math teachers or English teachers, let's say per school. So that was a little bit difficult, but I sort of backed my way in by doing program development for colleges, adult education. I did end up in a K through 12 setting though, um, towards the end. And I decided to stay home with my daughter when she was born. Um, so I became a stay at home mother and I, my, my father is an entrepreneur, so I grew up, um, and that was our main source of income, his business. So I sort of grew up so, sort of seeing the ins and outs of that, um, 
And I always wanted to have my own business. So I, but I always thought it would be like a network marketing business um, or a product-based business. And I've tried both and I never really felt like those were my thing. Um, selling product to me is super difficult. Um, and, and I had a lot of doubt. I mean, I'm talking about self-doubt. I had a lot of doubt then too, about whether, you know, that was even going to work out for me or was this just always going to be something that I could like just buy Starbucks with and not feel guilty that I was taking money out of our like income for Starbucks or something. Um, But, you know, I fell into business coaching, sort of doing it unofficially while I had my product-based business um, and seeing results in the people that, you know, that asked me for advice and um, helping them. And so I, I realized there was a need for it. There was a need for mothers like me, whether they were staying home or they were part-time or full-time in their jobs, but they wanted more freedom and they felt like they had to wait. They had these young kids who were not even preschool age yet, and they felt like they had to wait and they had to wait till their kid was in school full time, or they had to wait until their kid was going to college, or they had to wait just until the football season was over. And like, it would be easier, you know, just all of these things, all these excuses, you know, and -hmm. I've always sort of been very honest and very sort of giving tough love to the people I love the most. And so, um, I felt like there was sort of a need for, for that. And I, I felt the pieces come together too, in terms of what I had already experienced. I had been a manager. I had been a product of, I had been a program developer. I had, I'm trained as a counselor. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trained in, in public relations and, and I know how to write. So I felt like all of that sort of came together in this online business coaching world. And, um, and that's sort of where I was. But in the beginning of 2020, I had been in my coaching business less than a year. Um, I had two clients, but you know, they were local people that I sort of knew and I was helping them and I wasn't charging them a lot like a lot of us do in the beginning. Um, And I was working way harder than I needed to, like way harder than I needed to. I was trying to shove work into every moment of my life that I wasn't with my daughter. And I think I had this idea that if I don't work hard, it means something, you know, Um, which is something that I work on with my clients now. And, And that pressure to sort of bring money home started to get more and more insane, um, of my own volition, like of my own doing. Right. Um, but I want to take the pressure off my husband. His job had been, he had been losing hours slowly as 2020 arrived. We found out, um, in the, during the holidays of 2019, that he would get cut 50% pay and 50% hours. Um, So, you know, he was losing hours, he was losing money. And we were like, you know, so I would say that early 2020 was very, um, very tough on us pressure wise. Um, And then COVID happened and he lost his job pretty much immediately. Um, He lost it on April 1st, I remember. So that was about three weeks after the shutdown here in in America, at least. Um, And, you know, I think in that moment, I watch other people um, now that when this happens to them, something bad happens or something you didn't expect. And and all of a sudden the pressure kind of like kicks in. And for me, I think because I had been putting so much pressure on myself, I almost just got fed up with myself. I mean, there was a lot of guilt and shame attached to my husband losing his job. Um, And and so we, you know, we were dealing with that. Of course, we weren't telling people because we had to deal with it. He had his own feelings. I had mine. You know, we also didn't want our, at the time she was three, we didn't want our daughter to <laughs> to get any of our stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think I just got fed up with the way that I had been viewing my business and the way, what I had been doing, realizing I'm putting pressure on myself and no one else is doing it for me. And, you know, instead of looking at it as like, this is my last chance, 
this is my chance. This is my last chance because to, for me, that puts all the pressure on. Um, so instead of looking at it that way, I, I decided to look at it as an opportunity. You know, there are so many benefits to the situation that we were in. And I know that's hard to say, um, but, you know, looking back, I'm like, wow, there were so many benefits to it. There were so many like, okay, let's just try it. You know, his company gave him health insurance for a month. That's why they fired him on April 1st, because they knew he had a family and they wanted him to have health insurance for the month. So even just that, I was like, okay, this is an opportunity for a month instead of like, I only have 30 days, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I just, I just think that the, that, that helped me was the beginning of helping me so much with the self-doubt, like with turning that around a little bit. Um, And honestly, once I started to see it that way, I became a better coach immediately, like overnight, because now I can start to see it from my client's point of view. When something doesn't go to plan, when something happens that is bad or um, isn't what you thought it would be or isn't negative or, you know, unsatisfactory in any kind of way, how can we sort of like change that point of view of being solution focused versus Mm -hmm. like wallowing and sitting in the problem, which like. I had been doing before it was even a real problem. Before I hit rock bottom, I had been doing it to myself. So by yeah. the time I hit rock bottom, I'm I'm done. Like I'm over it. So now that it's been 18, 19 months, however long it's been, um, you know, the business funds our bills. It is our main income, um, funds our lifestyle. It allows us to pay for everything we need. And it also allows us to, you know, go on vacations. Um, We did do our first vacation since COVID has sort of, (laughs) you know, the reins have sort of been like loosened a little bit on us. Um, And yeah, just my daughter started kindergarten this year. So just being around for that transition for her and having that flexibility, having both her parents around for that um, has been just life-changing. So it's everything we sort of dreamed of, but also we're like so doubtful we could really have. And, and while um, our experience and the situation that we found ourselves in actually ended up fueling um, the lifestyle to happen faster, it might not have if I had not been able to change my perspective on it. So that's sort of where, where I was. and yeah. Which is amazing. And, you know, there's so many um, little nuggets that I've just, I was writing notes down um, when you were speaking about just to make sure that I don't forget to, to talk to them, talk to you about them. But I think for me, what stands out is that, that you were, despite all your fears and doubts and emotional worries, both mm-hmm. from your, your perspective and your husband's perspective, the protection of your daughter, because, um, that's really important is they feed off our energy. Oh, yeah. um, and so, you know, that really stands out, but mm-hmm. it was, I love how you were able to turn the negative situation into a positive. And this is the thing is like the last 18 months have been really hard yeah. on so many different levels and some extreme levels for a, a great number of people, others, not quite, but the reality is there's also been a lot of positives that have come out of this situation as well and I think you know sometimes it's too easy to focus on the negatives and not to focus on the positives and you know we do live in a society and in a world that's very um instantaneous and everything before the pandemic you know we just if we want to order something we order it arrives tomorrow like if you 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 um can pick up and chat to anyone around the world from sitting like I'm here in Bournemouth you're over in Connecticut we're having a chat right now you know we're We just have, this is our way of life. And yet everything then started to slow down and people started to regroup and you started to appreciate the smaller things. Um, And what I love about what you were saying is the reframe that you had from the pressure of the last chance 
-hmm. to an opportunity. And I'd love to just go a bit deeper with that, because I know, you know, sometimes when people are running businesses, whether it's through a pandemic or in general, because, you know, certainly as an entrepreneur, um, it's very lonely. Um, you know, you do eventually build a team around you, but there are long time periods of time where you're on your own and you've got nothing to bounce off or no one to bounce off. And the only person that really understands your vision is yourself. Um, and you worry about money and about time and all of that sort of jazz. Um, and quite often you then think, shit, this is my last chance. And if I don't do it now, then I'm going to walk away from my business and I'm just not meant to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and that really could have been like a, a moment for you at that time, because obviously you'd lost your main source of income. You were dealing with your husband's emotional elements, your emotional elements, keeping your, it away from your child and, you know, still having clients yourself to deal with. Yeah. How did you manage to to turn it from that last chance to a, an opportunity? Because I think so many people struggle with this and would benefit from it massively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think I was in a good, uh, I was in a good position to have had, I had an online community. Um, mm -hmm. I, I realized that I hadn't really been selling to them. I was just sort of pouring whatever I felt about business out to them <laughs> um, and, and helping them with their needs. But I think that was helpful and having the, having the couple of clients that I did have because it allowed perspective. And I think like what you said about being lonely um, and I, I, look, I'm an only child and I'm married to an only child. So we, we knew lonely before the pandemic. Right. So like we, we knew that and our parents live in different States. So we were not allowed to see them um, per some of the rules that we had here. So super lonely, right. Super, mm -hmm. super lonely. And I think, I think the problem with that um, really is that we, we don't realize we're making up all of these rules and they don't have to be true. Like they don't have to be true. And like, when you look at it from the perspective of somebody else, like what I was giving to those, to that community and those two clients, that's what they needed. They needed that. So like, I could sit here and say, oh, well, this is my last chance and that's going to be it. But was that even really true? And I could choose. And I think that's the thing is that we can choose to look at things the way we want to, because when you're alone, you can look at things the way you want to. And that's it. Right. You think you're you're the only opinion that matters. And it's not that you're the only opinion that matters. It's just that you're not it's not true all of the time. Right. There's always like three sides to every story. And like you only have the one side and you don't have the perspective like you don't have the benefit of perspective when yeah. you're by yourself in your business. You just don't. No. And it's not that you can't DIY it. It's not that you can't get there, um, but you just don't have the perspective. You don't have the point of view that you need. And so for me, knowing that I was helping all of those people in my group and that they were responding and actually they were responding more because they were home more um, and, you know, using Facebook as sort of their escape <laughs> from yeah. like their kids being home or whatever it is. And so they were on social media a little bit more, at least in the very beginning of the pandemic. Now, not so much, but um, I think, I think that was helpful to be open to the perspective that there could be other truths here, right? Yeah. Like I don't have to, I, I could, I could make an absolute and speak in absolutes. This is my last chance. I only have 30 days. If this doesn't work, then that it doesn't work. But it, when did, when was that okay? That it gets to mean something. And what kind of coach would I be if I let my clients believe that, that mm -hmm. like, if this group coaching offer I'm going to put out there doesn't work, Allison, I'm done. And for me to be like, yeah, you're right. You're done. Like, yeah. no, <laughs> but I have to walk the walk. 
And yeah. so that's always been something that I pride myself on is walking the walk and being vulnerable with my, with my audience. And so it does put me in a situation where I'm forced to look at my situation from a different perspective. And so I think that helped the, the conversation in my own head, <laughs> like my own people talking to my own people um, about, you know, let's walk away from pressure and let's kind of go a little bit more towards opportunity. And, you know, I was actually thinking about this. Um, there's like this. So once I started, once the pandemic hit and I started actually selling, I actually had my first five figure month about three weeks after the pandemic hit about three weeks after my husband lost his job. I had my first five figure month and you think like, Oh good. Happily ever after, but no, because if you haven't been there yet, let me tell you that when you get there, you also have self-doubt because oh, yeah. you also are like, well, how am I going to repeat that? Yeah. Like, great. Okay. Yeah. Glad that I got that money. And that's awesome. It's going to pay this, this, and this, but then when's the next time oh, I'm going to yeah. do yeah. yeah. And so if you understand that self-doubt is just something that like, it's not something to get over. It's something to manage. 100%. Yeah. Because it's always going to happen. It's going to happen when you're successful and it's going to happen when you're not. And mm. so the thing is, is when you get into business and you want to do this, you almost have to make that CEO decision of like, it's going to suck sometimes. Mm. And there are times where I'm going to feel myself wanting to kind of like attract myself to the pressure because it feels good everybody else is doing it. Right. But, um, you know, managing your mind and you have a mind, you have a growing, beautiful mind. So you, you have to use it <laughs> you have to use it. And, um, and if not for you, then for the people that are watching you do it for them. I you love what, what you've just said there about allowing my mind to be attracted to the pressure. And it's so true. Like, I mean, great point. You know, the, for me, 95% is okay. I know that I will never fully overcome self-doubt. I don't want to fully overcome self-doubt because I actually find elements of it really exciting because it shows that I'm growing and expanding because we're all human. And whenever we're trying something new, we're going to be nervous and anxious and we're going to question whether we can do it. Um, confidence comes when we take the action and, and get competent in it and start to see the results. Um, but for me, 95% is okay. And I think if you can learn how to manage it, in a way that stops you from attracting the pressure and starting you to see the opportunities, you are winning and you are navigating in a way that so many people will, you know, benefit from if they just learn how. And I think, you know, all too often we look at everyone in, you know, in the celebrity world or on social media or in our industries who are doing really well and we think oh, they got it so easy like they never worry, you know, they know they're brilliant. They know they're this, that, and the other. That's bullshit. They don't. They go through all of the same experiences as us, but they've learned to manage it. And this is why I put together the podcast, because I want people to learn how to manage it through this, through, you know, conversation stories, seeing themselves in other people, through, it, you know, working with um, coaches that then help to bridge that gap from where they are to where they want to be. But, yeah. you know, I, I love the fact that, that you said, you know, about walking the walk and, and talking the talk. And, and actually, I think, you know, sometimes when your business is not not um, thriving in a way that you want it to, <clears throat> you can often get really great results from being put in a position like you were, mm -hmm. because it's a bit shit, shit and bust or bust. But without putting the pressure on, it just suddenly makes you reframe it and go, this actually Instead of dabbling, I'm going to do this seriously. I've, I've got evidence here that 
I'm getting results from these two clients that I'm working with. I know I'm already helping them. So if I can help two of them, I can help four of them. And if I can help four, I can help six. And if I can help six, I can help eight. And just, you know, it's all just gradual. And I and, you know, sometimes we need that kick up the bum to take us out of our comfort zones. Mm -hmm. Not that I was necessarily saying that you're in a comfort zone, but sometimes we just stay at this limit, don't we? Because we all have these like upper limit problems where we think, oh, I'm only allowed this amount of success. I don't need to make any more at the moment because my husband's making this and we've got a great life, you know, whatever it may be. And we only allow a certain amount come in. And then when we're faced with certain situations, mm -hmm. it's down to us to then grow that thermostat and go actually, instead of just dabbling, I'm going to expand it because this is really a limitless opportunity. But if in order for me to do that, then I have to turn those fears into fuel and I have to turn the pressure into opportunities. Right. And, and that's exactly what you did. What, yeah. You know, what doubt moments came through for you on those though? Because uh -huh. you know, it's all well and good and, and it's amazing, you know, will I turn my pressures into opportunities? But <laughs> how? Because... Mm -hmm. I'm sure somewhere along the line there would have been no Alison you can't do this or who do you think you are or whatever there may be so were mm -hmm. there any particular go-to strategies that you were using that really helped you? Yeah um, you know once I started to understand that those thoughts were going to come whether I was successful or not so yeah. Uh, you know, I thought really, to be honest with you, and maybe other people who are listening feel this way too. I thought that once I was successful, right? Like I'm putting air quotes around that once I was successful, that like, I would never feel self-doubt again. Right. I would never feel like I would feel like this is where I belong. That would prove something to me. And so I was shocked to feel it. Um, like on the heels of yeah. my first kind of month in business doing, you know, after the pandemic doing pretty well, um, and instead of letting myself believe that, oh, I must know what I'm talking about, or, um, oh, I, people really want what I have to offer. Oh, I, I'm really good at this or any of the things, right? Like I'm good at selling, I'm good at this. What, you know, what made that happen, right? Like what got me to the five figure month? Was it my content? Was it the, my discovery calls were on fire? Like, what was it? Um, instead of that, I was thinking like, well, that'll never happen again. And I started to realize that there were triggers, and I think that's like the huge thing. And that's what I always ask my clients when they start to, you know, have some sort of, I can tell they're having some mindset blocks. Well, what's triggering that? You know, what did you do before you had the thought? And so the thought is great to know that, you know, I'm just not sure I can do this again. That was maybe a thought that I had like around April and May of 2020. Right. And I kind of let that thought happen. Um, but, you know, understanding what the trigger is was really, really, really valuable for me. Um, so, and it can be something, it can even be a good thing. It can even be like money landing in my account from a, from a scheduled payment. Oh, not sure I can do this again. Right. It can be the second before I'm going to go live, do a Facebook live in my, in my community. No, oh, not sure if this is going to work out. Right. So like, it doesn't matter what it is, but like figuring out what the trigger is was yeah. super helpful for me. Um, because that's when I started to realize why the thought came, why the thought came to me that was not helping me take action. And as you said before, action is the only way out of some of these mindset blocks. I mean, it really is yeah. um, imperfect, massive action. Um, and when I say massive, I mean, I think sometimes a baby step can feel massive, especially when you've got so many blocks around you. Right. So, um, so I think 
I think that's, you know, in order to get to the action and actually take good action, not action out of a bad thought of like, well, I don't know if this is going to work, you know, so then I don't have the excitement. Um, But when I knew it was an opportunity and I sort of changed that, um, then I was excited about it. You know, when you're, when you have an opportunity, it's exciting. When you have pressure on you, I have to do this. I have to put this offer out or I'm not going to make money. I have to talk to this person or, you know, they're going to go work with someone else, right? When you put pressure on that, instead of saying like, I'm so excited I get to talk to this person because I think this offer would be great for them. It's just a completely different story. So it's really just, that's how I sort of still get around it actually, to be honest, because like you said, 95% of the time it's good. And then it's that 5%, but we sometimes only remember that 5%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't remember you know, I, I had to be coached. Hey, look, like when you hit that five, that five figure month, why'd you do that? You know, what do you think was, was the reason for that? And then I got to see the evidence. Mm. And I think it's so important to continue to celebrate yourself with that evidence. And, you know, if you have to put it like on your desk, like you have to write a sticky note and put it on your desktop every day. So you see it, or I don't care what you have to do, but like, you do have to front yourself with the evidence Yeah, if you're on the right path. And that you'll figure it out all the time. Obviously, I've pivoted. I've changed like sort of who I'm talking to. I've changed my offers. Um, I'm about to pivot again. I've started something. I started a podcast that was sort of a pivot um, to, to include that in my schedule. And so I think it's really important. You're going to have those things. And if you're not starting podcasts and you're not changing your offers and all that stuff, then what are you doing? Yeah. Right? What are you doing? So yeah. I think like you have to make the decision to grow and to know that like, if you're going to be the CEO, you have to manage your thoughts. Definitely. There's a, an amazing saying um, by Roger Federer, who I adore, which is staying the same as going backwards. Like even when he was world number one, he was like, he was always looking at ways to improve and pivot his game because staying the same would mean he was going backwards while other people around him were improving. Yeah. And I think, you know, that is really important. And, you know, you mentioned about the the celebration side. And again, I think we often um, cling to the the mistakes and the the failures, or as I like to call lessons, and mm-hmm. skip over the successes. Like, all oh, right, next, next. Yeah. I never really embrace and learn that, like, and learn stuff from the successes we right. see. And and actually, that's where your confidence is reinforced. That's where you really can build on your energy and give you that boost to keep going and to, to keep pivoting and, and keep changing. So, um, and also, you know, you mentioned about having the evidence of success, which is, mm-hmm. is amazing, like with the post-its, but also finding evidence to poo-poo the beliefs that are coming through in your mind, because, and this is a, something I do with all my clients and I, and I love doing it myself is, you know, when you're sat there saying, I'm not worthy or I don't deserve this or people won't buy from me or whatever, what evidence have you got to prove this theory wrong? Because there will be evidence to prove this wrong all around you. You're just not seeing it. And when you can start to gather that evidence and journal on that evidence, and then you start to feel it. And then when you start to feel it, you start to think more differently. And then your actions and your results start to mirror that. And I think it's really, really important to, to do the evidence of celebration, but the evidence to dispel the BS as well. That's um, right. Yeah, yeah. I also find that when people make things more complicated, yeah. That's when the self-doubt is, I mean, you're almost inviting self-doubt 
to the, to the table when you make things more complicated. I know even last week I had this idea for a great offer a couple of weeks ago and I was like, so excited about it. I mean, like really renewed excitement for this Mm -hmm. and for how many people I'm going to be able to help with it and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and what's funny about it, what's ironic is that it's a simpler way of doing something that I had in a signature offer. So what's ironic about it was that the second I started to sit down and plan for it is when the excitement started to dissipate. And I had to look and say like, wait, why? Is this just not a good idea? Should I just scrap it? Um, and I think it's so, I think it's so, so harmful when we try to make things more complicated. I realized that I was starting to lose my steam for it because all of a sudden there's a landing page. There's a sign in thing. I've got to talk to people about this. It has to happen. The marketing, what, what are the three things? What, you know, all of that started to sort of come down on me. And that's when I sort of started to lose the steam for the idea. And so when we make things more simple and we make things less complicated, it's not that landing pages don't have their place in the world. Like I don't want, you know, the landing page creators to come after me or anything, but like, it's not that they don't have their place in the world. They're great. But like, if we're going to lose our excitement about it, it's not worth it. And sometimes we make things more complicated because we mm. think we have to, because mm. we're watching other people and they've got beautiful landing pages and templates and all this stuff. Right. But the thing is, is that like, if you lose your excitement for it, you're not going to sell it anyway. You're not going to sell yeah. it. Anyway. <laughs> Do you know that I've been through exact same that with this podcast, because mm. in the pandemic, I lost my assistant who did all of the, my podcasting. And so I took a natural break. And then I've been wanting to go back to it. And before she left, she did all these videos to show me how to, to, to do this, that and the other. And I just looked at it and thought, oh, God, that just looks like too much. I just I'm just not doing it. And it's too complicated, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, and then I was like this niggle was just in in kept coming up. You got to do the podcast, got to be about self-doubt, blah, blah, blah. And I was ignoring it. And then it comes through and come through. And then I was like, I'm really going to do it. And now, you know, I was like, right the posts out and managed to connect to over 90 people and I've spoken to like 75 people and now like we're having this chat here all the while I still don't know how to do all of this tech stuff but in my mind now differently to before is I'll just figure it out it's fine I'll just figure it out and you know and as things you know as I've been chatting more and more to people a friend of mine who's in the music industry who um you know is really good with all this sort of stuff he's like it's fine I'll help you like I'll do the first few I'll write idiot guide um, notes for you I'll show you physically show you how to do it and then you'll be good to go and it's like see but I I got that from taking action instead of waiting to find him or to find whoever and then do it I was in the no 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 I'm going to do this because I need to do it and everything is pulling me in this direction and then it appeared and I think Sometimes we get in the complicated and think, oh, it's too complicated. I just won't do it. And when you keep it simple or you just trust, things appear. That's right. Yeah. And you made the decision. I, and I think sometimes as CEOs, we have, we have to make the decisions all the time. And, and honestly, not making the decision is still making a decision. Right. So like, I think I, honestly, I think like for you, that, that music industry friend sort of came to you because you made the decision. Mm. Um, you know, you wouldn't have even probably had a conversation with them about it if you hadn't made the decision. And it's so funny the other day I was saying to, to someone like, if I didn't have somebody helping me with the podcast, um, I, I said at first, I was like, I just wouldn't do it. Mm. And then I was like, you know what? No, that's not true. I would just put it out raw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <That's what happened. laughs> you know, and again, like I, you can get caught up in, um, 
I mean, I just knocked something something at the beginning of this, and then in my head I'm thinking, oh no. Um, and you can say, oh, you know, I might say um, or I might do this. I'm not a TV presenter. I'm not a presenter. I'm not perfect. This isn't what this podcast is about. It's about rawness and getting a message across. And I sometimes think when it's too done, it makes it unobtainable to other people because then you think, oh, well, I'm not perfect enough. I need to wait for it to be perfect before I can do this. Whereas I'm very much, just get it out there, be raw. If you cock it up, who cares? You're human. If people are going to judge you, they're going to judge you anyway. They're going to focus on that one little where something on my computer just fell. They're going to focus on that then they're not listening to the message either. Do you know what I mean? And like, we can get so caught up in the finer details. Yeah. But the reality is, it's, that's not important. Who cares? No. And, and really the reality is, I don't know when we started to sort of put our audience or our ideal clients or like the people we really want to work with. I don't know when we put them up on this pedestal where yeah. we think that they expect like everything perfect from us. I think it's because our, our goal is to sell, right? Like there's no, there's no beating around that bush. Our goal is to sell. And so we think that in order for people to pay us, it's gotta be at this certain level, it's gotta be perfect. And, and honestly, when you get, when you get further along in business and your, and your offers cost more money, Mm -hmm. um, it almost is worse. Right? Because you have more to lose or like you want to show that you really are a good investment. But I think that like, it's actually the opposite. I think when you are trying to, and you're putting energy and, and pressure towards being perfect and having things look perfect and all of that and, and having things over edited, um, you know, first of all, it takes away who you really are, that, that genuine authenticity really starts to fade. And also you're actually doing the opposite of what you think you're doing. You're presenting yourself as someone that cannot be, cannot be touched. Yeah. And, I would prefer to be a few steps ahead of my clients. I would prefer to like, I have a six figure business and my clients are reaching four figures and mm-hmm. my one-to-one clients are, are sort of doing consistent four into five figures. Um, but like, I, I'm happy to just be a cup. I'm not, I'm glad I'm not like an eight figure business owner trying to help people. Like I, I remember what it was like. I, mm-hmm. um, I mess up just like they do. And like, it's easier for me to walk the walk because they, I think that makes uh, actually makes me more valuable. you know people people you don't certainly in our industry not that this is just about like in in business it's about life you know people judge don't they and Mm -hmm. I've had a lifetime of judgments from people who have looked at me and within two seconds made a judgment based on their opinion and Mm -hmm. nine times out of ten it's totally wrong um and you know we put people yeah, and we put people on a pedestal or we just, I don't know, assume that their life is better than ours because they're on Facebook a bit more or they're, they're on TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the reality is when you show your authentic side and your vulnerability, yeah. you become human and you make a connection with them that no other person can make. Right. And, and for me, like, I couldn't give a shit what people think of me if they want to judge me and say you know whatever if I am doing something saying something and there's someone out there who can resonate and listen to what I'm saying and understand it and feel um supported and nurtured and understood I'm doing my job like oh a thousand they're humans I mean we're talking there's humans on the other side they are humans listening to this not like gold like uh, one-dimensional people that we are trying to impress they're humans just like us yeah and so yeah so I think like when you can 
also be human is when you're going to be able to make that deep connection. Like we are, we are wired for connection. We're wired for story. That's Mm. how, that's how we connected when we were just cavemen, right. With like stories and stuff. So like, it's okay to go back to the simplicity of communication. I think, unfortunately, that's one thing that COVID, like, even though it's wonderful that like you and I connected very easily, right. Even though we're on different continents, we connected very easily, but, and that's wonderful. Right. But I think we also kind of forget that like networking and talking to people in online is the same as if we were staring at them in front of our. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's interesting because um, we often do what we think we should do. um, And you know, this podcast came out, came about because I suddenly realized I had fallen into the conforming and comparing trap of doing things that others were doing, thinking that I had to do the same. And I've always prided myself on never being a conformist. Um, and suddenly I was, and I was losing my voice and losing everything. And, yeah. and I even remember saying to my coach and to friends in the industry, I always get a lot more interaction and engagement if I share like I you know when I was trolled or when I had a miscarriage or when I um, did a Facebook live about the trauma that I'd gone through and and um, you know and people that are then suddenly like oh my god thanks for sharing and you've made me feel like less less alone and like the, the, there's hope and and instead of doing the standard what everyone else is doing Facebook lives you know that you feel that you have to and and I kept saying oh you know I get all of this, get all of this. And the signs were there. And I was still like, no, 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 but I've got to do it like this way. I've got to... And then I was speaking to my dad in the summer and I was like, no, everything that I say that I want to be doing in my business, the simple me, the reason why I've done it has got lost somewhere along the line. And I've been, and I've been like morphing into all of these other businesses. You know what I mean? And it's like, no. And now, you know, I, I stripped it back two months ago came up with this idea and like you know the response from just that that post that I put out has been phenomenal and it just things there were signs all the time and you mentioned this earlier about knowing triggers but also that awareness and if something feels really really heavy for you or there are loads of obstacles that are coming up time and time again there's a message in these challenges and these obstacles that you're not you're missing and they will keep coming, slapping you on the face until you see it for what it is. Um, and I think with something like self-doubt, um, you know, one of the first steps of managing self-doubt is understanding your self-doubt and the awareness of what that looks like for you, your triggers, where do the triggers come from, what the triggers telling you, um, you know, all of this sort of stuff. Because then when you can understand it, you can you can move it yourself through it so much quicker. I'm just gonna like for me a couple of months ago. Um, I don't want to get into the whole vaccination conversation. <laughs> I know that it's just opening a can of worms. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it was linked around vaccination. Um, and um, there was a, a story on the news, and it impacted me in a way that just blew out of proportion. And my husband was like what's wrong with you? Like, you're totally overreacting. Like, like they're not saying anything's unsafe. They're saying it's all fine, blah, blah, blah. And, and literally in the space of like listening to this news article and I, and I, I avoid the news. That's one of my negotiables, but somehow this came through (laughs) within five minutes. I felt like a drowning 
little girl again like everything came on top of me and I wanted to stamp my feet and cry right. and like and where's, where my husband was like oh you're being over the top and I spoke to my sister and she's like what's wrong with you why are you overreacting and then like I kind of calmed down and thought it wasn't really about the vaccine it wasn't really about anything linked with the news what it was linked with the fact was that I suddenly felt triggered because I felt unsafe and vulnerable and it took me back to my past where I was unsafe and vulnerable through the abuse and stuff yeah. and when I was like oh that's why it just made so much sense I had a little cry I got it out of my system and I moved on but yeah because you were able to connect the dots I mean yeah that's so powerful that you were able to connect that. And like you said, like things that happen in the past in our childhood, those rear themselves in our, yeah. in the narratives that we tell ourselves. So yeah. And like I, when you were talking, I felt that like, I remember um, when this was kind of early on and I wanted to get food, like we had to get, and so you almost everywhere you like went to get food or almost every way that you've gotten food for your family in the past, you, you almost hit a wall right? Like, okay, I would go to the grocery store, but like, oh, we were having a shortage on masks in the beginning. So yeah. like, you know, some of us, some of us people who don't work in healthcare or whatever and don't and work from home, right? Like we didn't need a mask necessarily. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Like I can't see anybody or have people or go in anywhere because I don't have a mask. Okay. So there's one wall. And here's another wall is that like food, there's a food shortage. So mm -hmm. like, even though my daughter loves bananas, I wasn't necessarily able to get them every time I ordered food. And like, so there's another wall. And the other wall is that like, things are five times more money now. Okay. Yeah. So like, eggs were like $12 billion instead of like the $5 that they were. <laughs> and so like, it, it just, it walls, right. And it's just like, it almost felt like I was being closed in. I just want to get food for my family. Mm. And, and I totally get where you're, you're coming from, where it's just like, oh my God, like I, you start to kind of have this out of body experience where you're like, what is my life? Mm. And I, and all you're trying to do is help your family. I mean, like I say this to my clients all the time. Mother Teresa is like my favorite quote is like, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Like, yeah. you know, the world is really heavy out there right now. And yes, the things that we are doing might not change politics and might not take COVID away and all that stuff, but we are changing one person's life at a time and therefore changing our own. Yeah. And so I think it's so important to like, to do those, the, the work that you did and understand the narrative and where that's coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, because, it, and like, for me, at least that was coming from a time where, um, my husband was between jobs when my daughter was very, very young, she was still being breastfed. I went into a grocery store before COVID went to a grocery store with her, plopped her in the little, like, you know, in the front of the grocery cart, started walking around doing my shopping halfway through realized I can't pay for any of this food. Right. Because we're in between jobs right now. And so even though I need food in the house, I don't have the money for it. And mm. so I had to abandon the cart, take my child, bring her home. And I remember crying the whole way home thinking, well, at least she's going to be fed because I breastfeed her. Yeah. Like, wow. You know, and so like, it's just like that. I understood where that came from. And then yeah. I was able, of course, I was crying and I was able to move on after that. Yeah. You know, well, you'll yeah. figure it out. It's an opportunity. But it's not an opportunity when you're sitting under pressure and you're not understanding where it's coming from. You ha we have to give ourselves the opportunity. No one else is going to give it to us. No. And I think when you shine a light on it and that and a lot of people think it's easier to bury their head and move on. And I've yeah. tried that tactic, too. Um, <laughs> and it doesn't work. No. At least it doesn't work for me. Um, no. But by shining a light on it, it gives you because quite often we get panicky and feel misunderstood because we don't have the answers and we don't know 
but but if you're not asking the questions to find out what the answers are then you're not going to know either and so like while I felt in that moment of drowning um I I was like oh my god am I going mad like why am I reacting why am I being silly well and I was like hypercritical and beating myself up and the minute I was like no em like the reason you're at it's not to do with the vaccine it's not to do with anything on the news it's to do the fact that you feel vulnerable and unsafe and taken advantage of that's where it that's what it's about and then I could then say to my husband look it's not about that I know I'm overreacting but it's triggered me and it's made me feel like this and he's like oh I get it give me a hug you're okay blah 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 and you know and it just is reassuring and I think too often we we deny ourselves the answers thinking we're protecting ourselves and we're not and we're making it harder for ourselves. And I think if we can just reframe it, like you say, that it's an opportunity to learn more about yourself or it's an opportunity in, in any um, area of your life. But the more that you build that awareness and understand the nicer you are to yourself, the better ripple effect that that then creates for your family, for your life, for your business, for your, you know, your health, whatever it may be. Um, but it all starts with awareness. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and honestly, every time you don't do it, because it's quite normal not to do it. Right. So every time you don't do it, you're sort of pushing it down. I sort of realized that like, wow, it's going to be harder for me to cut through and get to this sort of deeper understanding when I keep pushing things down. And so knowing that it's going to be harder for myself later, I'd rather do the work now and make sure that I'm doing it. And and again, like when we do the work for ourselves, then we can help our clients through it. And we become better at what we're doing. Everybody always asks me, like, do I have to, like, if I want to coach, do I have to go get a certificate? Do I have to go, go through training? And do I have to like, how to be, how do I become a good coach? And it's like, this, this is like a huge part of how to become a good coach is to like actually understand yourself and walk yourself through some of these things. And then you can, you can see it in your clients and you just get better at it. And I think, I think it's so valuable to be able to, um, to, to give that to our clients. And again, being, being normal and being human and understanding that they're just human too. Yeah. 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 It's about making your mess, your message, isn't it? Um, (laughs) Someone said that to me the other day and and it was a real reminder because it's like, yeah, I'm trying to overcomplicate my message when really my mess is my message. And that's why I'm always saying to people and I'm now going to own it. And I finally (laughs) feel I'm owning that mess and message. Um, and yeah, it just then becomes so much easier. You know, I think, you know, we've spoken about so much today. So much. <laughs> oh, honestly, I, I'm getting into these conversations and I'm like, oh, I could literally talk for hours. Like, I, I love, I love getting to know people. Like, it's for me, people like me up and I just, they're so intriguing and I just find, yeah, I could spend hours chatting. But I think, you know, the main sort of things that obviously that we've touched on today, and you've been amazing, by the way, and thank you very much. Is, you know, it is looking at the awareness piece, obviously, which we've just been speaking about. But it's like um, taking stuff down to smaller chunks and really allowing you to turn that pressure into the opportunity and seeing what reframing from the last chance to, you know, look, what can I do here and having fun with it and, you know, all of those amazing things. Um and just focusing on the positives of what you know and what you can control what are the what what is if there is one last top tip Mm because um 
that you would share or if there's anything that we've discussed that you want to summarize on because I I might I know that we've spoken about those might have missed off a little chunk that you might want to end with but is there anything that you really feel is like a a defining comment to share um well I would think you know I think I've been thinking a lot about this about self-doubt and sort of some of the the actions that I've had and and what I notice in my clients um so what I would say to anyone listening is like stop apologizing. Cause I think a lot of times we say, I'm sorry, but, um, yeah. or I'm sorry, um, that I can't or whatever. And I think, I honestly think that is linked to some kind of self-doubt because, um, we don't have to say sorry, like really ever, unless we've like actually hurt someone, um, like, like physically or emotionally hurt someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think women, especially like to apologize, feel they need to apologize. Um, I would just say, you know, if you feel like you're experiencing self-doubt, you recognize some of the things we've talked about today. Um, don't apologize, like stop saying you're sorry, because it's really just not going to help. Um, stop saying you're sorry to people that like you, you know, that see you having this kind of behavior, stop saying you're sorry to yourself, recognize the behavior is the first step. And like, I think like, don't, you know, don't feel like, like Emma and I are cured from this. Like we haven't said, you know, that at all. Um, but like, I think that watching your language is so helpful. I think, and I mentioned this before, like the absolutes Mm. of like, well, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this. If this doesn't work, then that's it. You're the one giving yourself those ultimatums. You don't have to do that. Online business is not about ultimatums. It can change on a dime. And you have to be ready for that um, if you want to succeed, you know, and so you have to be comfortable with uncomfortable and um, you, we cannot apologize for being uncomfortable. Yeah. We, and so I think just kind of watching your language, I see that a lot with my clients. They say, I'm sorry, but like, I didn't do this and I'm so sorry about it, but it's like, we have to stop saying sorry. So that would be my last like kind of thing because I hear it a lot. And I just, I kind of wish like when, if I'm on Instagram and I'm scrolling, I'm like, oh my God, if I see the word, sorry again, I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> so stop saying sorry. And then people go, I'm sorry that I keep saying sorry. Sorry. It, it, it's a, a thing that pops out, doesn't it? We're and, all sorry for everything. And, yeah. But yeah. I think like an awareness of understanding of like, where does that come from? Why yeah. do I have to keep saying I'm sorry? Is that, is, and we don't the, want people to judge us, do we? No, that's the thing. Yeah. And, or we've been, we've had to be sorry. Like maybe our parents made us apologize for things or whatever. And I think, you know, it's not like little girls were raised. Hopefully we're changing it now. I have a little girl, so hopefully things will be different, but um, we're not really raised. We don't raise little girls to be outspoken. Um, Raise boys to kind of raise hell and be outspoken and they can yell and all that stuff. We're like, oh, they're boys. But when they're girls, we're like, you're yelling, you're supposed to be a cute little girl. Like, what are you yelling about? Yeah. Um, so I, I think I'm hoping that's changing, but I think that us as adults, we're, we're, we've been affected by that. And mm. I think a lot of times when we step out of line, we're sorry. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think, I think that's great for me. I think like, you know, the biggest things that come out is permission um, to permission to to be yourself and to go after your dreams permission to 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 make the choices um like you said making a choice is is a choice like um you know just being more consciously aware of what's going on and what you can and can't do and like you say you know with the language our language is so powerful and when we're saying i'm sorry to people we're we're taking power away from ourselves as well and giving it to other people as if like we've done something wrong and we're and if if 
you're genuinely not sorry for something that you've said and you believe in why apologize for that because then that's sending a message back to yourself almost saying you shouldn't have said that. yeah so yeah I shouldn't have done that I'm not in control I don't yeah. like my the things I say don't matter they're stupid they come out wrong you know and that's totally different than hey I'm imperfect and that's okay I'm just gonna go with it I mean that's totally different right so like I think embracing that side of it versus the like I'm sorry but and it's mm. like yeah. yeah yeah watching your language is really helpful we don't realize it it goes back to the narratives we tell ourselves when experiences happen we tell ourselves a narrative about it whether we realize it consciously or not and then our subconscious keeps it and it helps us make decisions or not and so we have to make sure that those stories are the right stories yeah yeah and to be aware of the stories like for me for anyone that is listening and people go, what stories? So I don't have a voice in my head, but you might start to notice patterns and then you'll start, start to notice feelings and then you'll start to notice niggles. These are like the voices. It might be a voice of someone saying, who do you think you are doing that? You don't deserve that or you're, you've not worked hard enough. Or it might just be that feeling of anxiousness or worry or um, a pattern of procrastination or perfectionism or waiting or hesitating or um, being hypercritical. All of the things that go on around you are all signals for you to use to help to move forward. And I, I really urge people as, 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 as comforting as denial sometimes can be for people, please, <laughs> if you feel that you're struggling or that there is something that's not aligning and, and you're perhaps not managing things in the way that you are, start to ask yourself what these things are telling you and where they're coming from, because that is the first start to moving beyond this cycle that you're in. Yeah. I mean, we're not taught to look at our feelings. I have to say it wasn't until a coach, you know, sort of um, show, sort of asked me, well, what are you thinking right now? That I was like, I don't know what I'm thinking. Mm. <laughs> and I'm an only child. I spent a lot of time alone and I still did not know what yeah, I was yeah. really thinking and stuff. So it takes some work, but that's why we're saying it's like, that's like the biggest step. Yeah. So yeah, it takes some work, but that's, but once you've done it, you can, you can repeat it. You can repeat that. It's only hard once. Anything is only right. hard once. And it, you know, then it gets easier. It might take a while until it feels really natural, but the hardest step is the first step. But when you've done that, first off, congratulate yourself for doing it and, you know, have evidence of, to support that. But yeah that first step is just once yeah that's it and then you've got experience and then you build on that experience and and even though you know awareness and all of that can sound like hard work because in theory it's something we should be doing all of the time it will start to become second nature the more we train ourselves to do it that's and right. therefore it's not you know a chore because it's just a natural habit we've all got habits but yeah. quite often we've got bad habits that are keeping us stuck or in this cycle when you when you consciously start to make new steps into a different direction you're creating new habits that will soon become an automatic way of living it's yeah. just down to choice like you say you know it's about permission to do it and choices the choices that you make um yeah. and yeah. so yeah thank you so much um it's been amazing so having you on the show this was a great, I mean, this is for me. I know for you, it's different for me. It's the, it's the beginning of the day. So this was my first thing and it was a great start to the day. So I really Aww. appreciate it. This is a great, yeah. thank you. It's, it's been lovely. And, you know, congratulations on everything that you've gone yeah. through in the last 18 months. Um, and I know, you know, we started off by saying this is, 
this all started from the pandemic. And as much as we are all navigating our way back out of it, um, with some restrictions still floating around and, you know, changes that we're all a lot more aware of previously, there are a lot of good things that can come from this. And again, if we can't, if you can't see them right now, maybe take the time to reflect over the last 18 months and look at what has, what have you learned as you as a person or what, what positives can you take? Because there will be some, it's just a case of shining a light on them. Um, yeah. And to know that, you know, through Alison's story, um, that, you know, when you turn pressure into opportunity, you can go from a, a side hustle to a thriving business. You can do anything you put your mind to. This isn't just about business. This is about life. This is about happiness. This is about, you know, health, whatever it may be. But you can always get out from where you are right now. It's just finding the ways to manage it. And that's what this is all about. And future episodes are all about. So thank you so much, Alison. It's been awesome. Thank you. I cannot wait for the future episodes. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been a really big honor. Thank you. How can people find you just very quickly? I'm going to put it in the show notes, but if people are keen to to stay in touch or to connect with you. Sure. Yeah. So my home away from home is my Facebook group, which I have mentioned um, in this podcast because I love them all so much. So um, if you go to Facebook, you can search empowered and free, no BS organic marketing strategies. Um, I also have a website. It's allison-nelson.com. And those are the best ways I am on Instagram at the Allison Nelson. That's it. Awesome. Well, I'll add all of that to um, the show notes, but it's been, been amazing. So thank you. And thank you to everyone who's listening and look forward to seeing you all next week. Bye for now. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review. Bye for now.